Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast with Dr. Stylianos Kabakis. Dr. Kabakis is a data scientist, statistician, and blockchain expert with a mission to educate the public about the wonderful capabilities of technologies like AI, data science, and DLTs. These technologies have the potential to transform the world, the economy, and our lives. However, there is too much misinformation around tech, and so most people are just confused about what is true and what is not. Whether you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, or just an enthusiast, the Data Scientist Podcast helps you separate reality from hype. Hi, everyone. Today on the Data Scientist Podcast, we have Curtis Boyd with us, calling from Los Angeles. He is the founder of Objection.co. Curtis, why don't you introduce yourself? We're very happy to have you here with us today. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me. So yeah, I build technology to identify fake reviews for both businesses and consumers on online websites like Yelp and Google and ChipAdvisor. Our company's mission is really to clean up the online marketplace to make it a better shopping and better selling experience for both consumers and businesses. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And just to clarify something, so I forgot to mention this earlier, you're a data scientist like myself, right? I am. I am. My background, <laughs> funny enough, isn't in computer science. You know, I took I took a different route and landed here almost out of necessity. Hmm. About nine years ago, I was a nursing assistant in a hospital. I, a doctor, you know, one day started complaining about fake reviews and he challenged me to remove some of his fake reviews and he, he, he you know, paid me really well for it. And then I ended up going into reputation consulting and you know one doctor turned into hundreds of doctors doctors turned into lawyers and contractors and other types of businesses and i became you know a reputation consultant i realized that the type of work i was doing as a reputation consultant could be automated right using a mm -hmm. computer server so i went to school to learn how to code and yeah. that's that's kind of the very beginning of my data science career you know, as I became really skilled in learning how to use Python to web scrape and to collect reviews and to analyze reviews and text and to look at, you know, profile behavior, I started getting more and more into data science. I went back to school mm -hmm. again for machine learning and AI. And yeah, then I started creating my own models within NLP text classification. And uh, yeah, a few years later, here I am now with a tech startup and, and AI and NLP. That's fascinating. So as you might know, some of our listeners, they're thinking to switch to data science and pursue a new career. What would you advise them? How difficult is it to do that? Oh, man, it's really difficult, but it's really rewarding. <laughs> Not very encouraging. <laughs> If it were easy, everyone would be doing it, right? And that's the, that's the true with anything. I mean... If you're passionate about what you do, how hard it is isn't important. I mean, how to say this? You should be in love with the problem, right? Mm -hmm. There should be a problem that you want that you are really passionate about solving that requires artificial intelligence, that requires yeah. data, right? And at that point, it's just a stepping stone to solving that problem. Thinking of using AI as, as a tool, right? As a tool in your belt to solve a particular problem. Now, when I thought the problem, when I take a look at the problem I wanted to solve, which is fake reviews and how to detect them, I knew that I could use my human eyes and I could click, 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 copy, paste into CSVs, prepare mm -hmm. data, 
create algorithms or, or logarithmic formulas to, you know, show the statistics of this happening. Mm-hmm. And it would take hours and hours just for one report. Yeah. Or I could use AI, right? I could, I could yeah. use automation to scrape the reviews. And then I could create NLP formulas. I could create other types of text classification to, to make predictor models that would do the work for me and, and help me scale my business, right? Mm-hmm. To help me scale both vertically and horizontally. So yeah, not going to try and BS anyone here. You know, full transparency, learning this stuff is not easy mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of practice. Sometimes when I'm debugging a Python script or a JavaScript, I'll want to pull my hair out. I, look how much hair I have up here. I feel like I'm losing, <laughs> I feel like I'm losing hair, but I love it. And it's what I, I love spending my time on. So the labor of love, right? It's very difficult, but it's it's very fun and rewarding for me. So I certainly enjoy it. And in my even earlier part, it's been very financially rewarding as well. You know, the quality of my life has improved drastically. I was, you know, making $11 an hour and change working as a nursing assistant. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we're past a million ARR, which is annual reoccurring revenue, being able to use data and selling it. So it's very financially rewarding as well. Yes, I think that's two main things stand out. That's first of all, you really have to like it. You shouldn't be in the, in data science only because of the financial incentives, but the financial incentives incentives are definitely very strong, right? So right now the market is very good. I'm based in London. I know you're based in Los Angeles. How's the data science space there? LA is really cool. You, there's such a neat group of people here. You know, COVID's kind of you know, we're, we're, we're starting to come out of our shell here. I heard in London, they just, you know, lengthened the lockdowns and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to hear about that. I hope. Oh no, actually now they've, they've, they're opening up right now. Good, good. Well, I hope everyone's okay over there here. We're going out of, you know, we're starting to, you know, get to a point where we may not need masks pretty Mm -hmm. soon, which is, which is really great. So we're just starting to go to networking events again. We're just starting to, you know, hang out in real life, which is which is great. The business community here in Los Angeles is, is still very strong. There's lots of networking groups. There's lots of places to come together. Now, the data science community here isn't nearly as strong as it is in like Palo Alto or mm-hmm. San Francisco, where I feel like everyone and their brother <laughs> and sister is a data scientist. But even here in Los Angeles, we have Playa Vista, which is kind of like we call it Silicon Beach. Uh, <laughs> a, lot of great, a lot of great tech startups out here. And certainly a lot of, you know, budding on entrepreneurs who are going into data science and learning how to, you know, train models based off of their, the data that they have recently collected and then trying to productize it, mm-hmm. you know, make, turn this raw data into something useful for someone that's in a new way. And I think people are realizing that there's just so, there's so much data out there. It's just, how can you make this data worth it to someone else, right? Mm-hmm. in a way that they can't do themselves, in a way that's that's new and it's fresh. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's great to hear. So things are looking positive in in many different geographical territories. And I think something which I found fascinating about your story is that not only you trained yourself to become a data scientist, but now you're also an entrepreneur, right? So it has been going up and up and up for you. So what inspired you to do that? Was it the natural evolution of what you were doing previously? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when I was, 
I became a nursing assistant. Then I, I went into reputation consultant because I was able to help a doctor on the floor, like at the hospital, he had his issues. Going into like coding to work for businesses, I was just working mm -hmm. for businesses. I was just helping business owners, you know, remove removable reviews, fake reviews that were negative. You know, these businesses would get fake reviews by competitors or by bots or by untruthful customers. And we used software, we used technology to be able to identify it and then dispute it automatically. And I realized as I continued to gather data that most of the reviews that were fake weren't negative. They were positive. Mm. Uh -huh. It's like most fake reviews out there aren't negatively impacting business owners. They're negatively impacting consumers. And so I realized that my technology at the time was only addressing 3% of the problem just for my business customer. And that these consumers had no idea that there were so many fake reviews. So I was like, okay, now I'm gonna spend a bunch in research and development. I'm gonna create new AI models and build new, new metrics. And we're gonna come out with a consumer protection tool. We're gonna come out with a consumer protection product and be able to solve that problem. And it's been a, a lot of fun. Great. And how is it that you find this to start this business? You mentioned now there's 11 of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, at first it was me as a reputation consultant, right? I was manually identifying reviews for my customers. They were doctors or lawyers. And I would, I would have to find the review myself and then write out the letter, the takedown letter, right? So then I realized I needed to code and learn how to do this. So I started taking courses on Python. I started taking courses in you know, various languages to learn how to collect data and then segment it, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially how to create smart filters, how to create, you know, how to integrate data into SQL tables and SQL databases and how to, you know, query that rather than using Google Drive and the Google yeah. Google Sheets, right? And trying to be clever with JSON. It became so much easier to use Python in, in combination with a SQL database as it became bigger and we had more customers. And then, you know, we, we started using our own application, our own dashboard in Laravel. Mm -hmm. So my team started to grow because I'm not a front end developer. I don't know how to, you know, I didn't want to learn how to code, you know, application dashboards. I wanted to stick to the Python, the data science part of it. So yeah. I had to build onto my team, right? So I hired a front end designer, front-end developer, and we, we started working on the user experience of our application and how mm -hmm. our customers could log in, you know, get their business in there, get all the reviews in there, and then have our application do its thing. The designer and, and user and, and front-end developer that I hired back, they're still with us today. Then, you know, I needed to hire a back-end developer as we wanted to do some other functionalities that I wasn't proficient at that my coding like I didn't have those coding competencies and I wanted to start integrating into third-party applications like Zapier like Yext and a few other third-party applications because one of the best ways to get your application in the mix is to put yourself into an application marketplace mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is to build API bridges so to speak API connections so mm -hmm. that much larger companies can integrate with you and you can tap into that market. And then from there, we started building a sales team, right? So a small sales team. And then now we have, I think we have two data analysts and we're about to bring on a third. So just understand something. So your whole business model is based around an algorithm or a set of algorithms? Multiple algorithms, that's correct. 
Okay. And did you develop this based on proprietary data or like data that you just scraped from websites? So that's that's a good question. So yes, scraped from websites, but it depends on which which algorithm, right? So mm-hmm. we have an algorithm that scores reviews based on how likely they qualify for removal based mm-hmm. on the terms of service of Google, based on the terms of service of Yelp or the terms of service of, of TripAdvisor, we have a data set of reviews that they previously removed, which we only got by disputing them, right? So th- in that sense, it's proprietary because no mm. one else has that data set. It's not publicly available. And so we have a huge corpus of reviews that essentially are removable reviews, right? So as that data set gets larger, our accuracy gets higher and being able to predict the types of reviews that are removable based on the reason why, you know, because there's a lot of various reasons why a review can be removed. And yeah, it just helps to it helps to have a larger, I feel like the larger it gets, the more accurate it's become over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very interesting. So the reason I'm asking is because I'm a big fan of studying business models in data science and AI startups. So there are some companies which start with proprietary data set. Other companies are focused on creating an algorithm that is better than other algorithms. Other companies try to obtain an advantage by simply targeting a certain niche in the market. So their advantage essentially exists around connections, marketing and sales. So I guess you're mostly on the data side, right? So if, if a competitor want, wants to knock you off, then they have to go through the same process of acquiring these data, which then they could use in order to develop their own models, right? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. We have a competitor, but they don't really offer the exact same things. It's kind of a similar thing. The metrics are a bit off. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it would be quite difficult for a competitor to come come in and then try and try and catch up to us. I certainly hope it happens one day. I'm a big believer in capitalism and and how, you know, competing businesses help make each other better, you know, by, you know, raising the bar when it comes to products and service and customer service. So I think I think it's a good thing to have competition. Right now we don't really have much. Do you find that your current business model helps you build a moat around the business? So do you collect additional da- new data from what you're currently doing, which make the algorithm even better or not? Yeah, yeah. So if you think about the, like, the number of data points, right, or the number of variables or, or metrics that we can incorporate that are all different and dynamic based off of you know, the reviews, the reviewers, the businesses, the better the accuracy is and when it comes to predicting things. Because mm-hmm. in unsupervised models, There are things that as humans, we're not going to be able to make sense of because we just, we don't have 17 billion parameters built into our, we probably do, but we're not like aware of them. Right. Whereas the awareness within, you know, like within an NLP model, it's all pretty straightforward and they'll spell it out for you. So, you know, in unsupervised models, the more types of data points that you can feed it and the more accurate it can be, it has the potential to be. So mm-hmm. we're constantly adding new models. Just last week, we had three interns at the York University in Toronto. They're PhD mm-hmm. students in data science. They just finished their project with us where they used you know, the new OpenAI NLP model to create a data set 
of 100,000 bot generated reviews, right? Created by NLP, totally fake. They created a data set of 100,000 fake reviews. And then we gave them another data set of 100,000 human reviews, real reviews, right? Mm -hmm. And then we had to create a new NLP model to be able to detect the differences between human generated content and bot generated content. And we, we, we showed the confusion matrix models and all the, all the really cool graphs and charts and visualizations that we made. We're getting ready to try and publish that on like data towards science or some, somewhere else pretty cool. But we're creating new metrics and new models all the time that are, are new and unique to give our master algorithm kind of more, mm -hmm. more to play with, more to work with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I see. And these days, how much do you, time do you spend doing actual data science versus managing a company? Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's a different, two different things, right? Yeah, I try to reserve at least 45 minutes to like two hours a day trying to uh -huh. do data science, but sometimes okay. it just doesn't happen. And then there'll be some days where I'm crunching with the team like four or five hours, like in, in sessions, you know, we'll, we'll be doing our, our sprints and they might need some help. So then I'll be able to, to dive in and spend a lot of time. But yeah, managing managing a company is also very time consuming and trying to, trying to build relationships, trying to manage all the finances, trying to, you know, manage all the, all the employees and, and everything. It definitely pulls me away from my ability to spend more time coding and manipulating data sets. <laughs> I guess. They're two different things, right? So when you, and two different ways of thinking, like one is very analytical running a company, I guess it's, it's, it's different in many, in many ways. So how long did it take you to do this, this whole journey, right? From, you know, doing something completely unrelated to data science, to becoming a data scientist, to starting your own business, to now running a profitable business with 11 people. Eight and a half years altogether. Okay. And yeah. The, what are like two or three things you learned which could help our listeners who are either thinking about starting a new business in the space of data science and AI, or they're thinking about becoming data scientists, or maybe they're just excited about this space and they're like, I don't know, maybe in the future I'll try to do something you know, in this area. Sure, sure. You know, a lot of, a lot of startup entrepreneurs want to use like AI in their marketing and in their, and in their sales. As you know, data scientists, we know the difference between automation, which is just you know automation, versus actual AI, you know, versus you know predictive models and other types of AI models that you train. So try and try and be really transparent in your sales and marketing. There's something you said earlier about niches. I think it's really smart to pick a niche that you want to solve a problem for, and niche down. There's an old saying that the riches are in the niches. And I believe that. I truly do. You know, you get your marketing and your sales collateral all for that one niche. It's really personalized for them and they're more likely to sign up and try with your MVP. MVP is, you know, the minimum viable product mm -hmm. in case you guys don't know, you know, and it helps you identify your ICP, which is your ideal customer profile, right? That's, yeah. that's your niche. That's the person who you ideally want to sell to. It's like your perfect mm -hmm. type of customer. And it's really easy to just build your, your, you know, your company 1.0 with a mm -hmm. niche, with that ICP, with your MVP that solves that problem. And then slowly, you know, you can slowly expand horizontally with other niches, but you want to build up case studies. You want to build up testimonials. You want to build yes. up like, you know, reviews for, for your business. 
as you start to scale, it's easier to do that just by serving one type of customer at a time. So yeah, I hope that that was helpful. Yeah, no, it definitely is, definitely is. And because I think also your, your case is very inspiring, right? Because I think these days there are many people trying to move into tech, like I mean, switch careers or start new businesses in this area. And I think on one hand it's challenging, on the other hand, it's doable, right? If you want to do it, that's what I've been saying as well. If you really like it, it's it's one of those, I mean, tech, it's one of those areas, which is maybe the exception where even people that, you know, they want to start a new journey in this area when in their 30s or 40s, if they, you know, dedicate a serious amount of time and effort into it, they can make it, right? So I think that's very, very important and really inspiring for many people. So that's great. So thank you. I think this was a very interesting conversation. Before we go, where can our listeners find more about you? Oh, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there all the time. If you if you want to start a conversation or, you know, learn about my, my career, it's all on there. And the company's URL? It's objection.co. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So if anyone is listening, obviously I'll, I'll be sharing details to your LinkedIn on, on the post that goes with this recording. So it should be fairly easy for everyone to connect with you if they wish so. So thank you, Curtis. This was very a fascinating discussion, really. Quite a unique journey. So thank you for your insights. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm happy to help. Great. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for being here with us today. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content around data science, AI, and blockchain. And we hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content about data science, AI, and blockchain.